Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. We're in a series called Hearts Reunited. And I wanted to start this morning, I know we already worshiped together, and we prayed, and we gave in worship, but I wanted to start this morning in prayer, in a few moments of silence together. Um, it's silence and shared silence is something that we've come to embrace and just be encouraged by and find life in here at Vineyard Cleveland as a contemplative rhythm of our community. And this morning we're going to be talking about hearts being reunited in prayer. And so I just wanted to take a minute and dial down. You know, there's this wonderful heritage in the vineyard of dialing things down. And it doesn't have to be hyped. It doesn't have to be like this light and fog show with entertainment here to entertain you so that you can consume God. No, that's not what we're about. We are a community of Jesus followers who are authentically following Jesus. And one of the ways we've found to be helpful in following Jesus is just to share moments like this in silence. So could we dial down for just a minute and invite God's Spirit, what He would want to say to you? I could preach the perfect sermon or the worst sermon. It won't make a lick of difference unless you hear from God for you. And so just invite God to he- that you would hear from Him what He would speak to you this morning. Come Holy Spirit. Speak to your people. We need your voice. As Sarah led us this morning, we need you. We need you, Holy Spirit. Come. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, breathe on your word. We're so grateful to be in your presence this morning. And we do pray that you would speak to us in your kindness and your goodness. Each one, God, each one that's come this morning, would you encourage us? Build up our faith so that we would see your kingdom come and your will be done in our day, in our families, in our own lives, in our community, in this city that you love so very much. We give this time to you, Jesus. It's yours. Amen. 
So today is about being fully devoted to prayer. We heard from Jason, and we heard from Ben, we heard about the apostles' teaching, and we heard about community together, and this morning we're going to hear about and um, take on this thing of being fully devoted to Jesus in prayer. And prayer is a major um, hallmark of who we are here at Vineyard Cleveland. There are prayer cards in the back of all of your seats there in front of you. Uh, The staff, we love to hear what's going on in your hearts, what you're praying for before God, what you're desiring before God, what you're praying for. And we pray over these cards every week in staff meeting. Prayer is a hallmark of who we are. And today is about being fully devoted to God in prayer. There's a couple of stories that I like to tell to encourage you that you guys are leaning into that. Don't hear all guilt this morning. Oh my gosh, we're not leaning in to being devoted. I'm so not devoted in prayer, but you guys are leaning in and you're to be encouraged and commended for how you're leaning into being fully devoted in prayer. The one classic story that I like to tell, which some of you have probably heard, is during one of our Ash Wednesday services that we uh, have had here at Vineyard Cleveland, Tammy Dieslow, our children's pastor, was leading and just going around, and what was happening is that we were doing the administration of the ashes, and she was blessing um, parents and kids, and you know, we're doing the whole thing of like, from dust you're created, and from to dust you'll return, and the, and the whole formal thing, and, and then when she came to one little girl who is just so precious, um, but you know, is just, she's seeking to understand, why are they putting like ashes on their head? Tammy's like, just pray, just pray your, your best prayer and uh, your best prayer and bless me. And so this little girl takes the ashes on Tammy's forehead and she makes the sign of the cross. And as she's making the sign of the cross, she says, cupcakes. <laughs> she took the best, she took the best, the highest thing that this little girl could imagine. The most delightful thing to her soul. What would be a blessing to Miss Tammy? Cupcakes. Isn't that the good stuff? Isn't that just so good? And then another story that just happened this week, I've been encouraged by, I've gotten a few texts and emails this week that are exactly on this subject. And one of them, a mom in our congregation, Lauren, was just going about doing normal mom stuff, and her daughter Eden was playing with her dinosaur toys in the living room, and she turns to her mom and she asks Lauren this, Ask Uncle Ben and Pastor Eben to ask Jesus to bring the dinos back. That's right. We are praying impossible prayers at Vineyard Cleveland. We're praying and teaching our kids to pray impossible prayers at Vineyard Cleveland. And I love the mom's response. I love, Lauren, your response here. As she replies to her daughter, check this out. This is the good stuff again. She says, I told Eden that we could ask Jesus ourselves, but she wants to make sure all of our bases are covered. If I could make a small request and maybe only ask to bring the herbivores back. No T-Rex. No T-Rex. But that's spot-on parenting, isn't it, you guys? That it's not just the important pastor people who pray, but it's that all of us, there is no junior Holy Spirit. It, it matters that our kids here at Vineyard Cleveland are fully devoted to prayer. And Lauren teaching her daughter that is a prime example. Another text came through 
This past week from Robin Blake and Sherry Peach who lead our, um, who lead our Women at the Workplace small group. And she just wrote this, just, just a, such a blessing and an encouragement this past week. Just wanted to share with you some exciting things that God is doing in our group. At some point over the last year, we started a text chain to keep in contact, but it has become a prayer and praise connection for our group. God has been so faithful, and we have seen so many answers to prayer. God is good. You guys are leaning in to what it means to become fully devoted to Jesus in prayer, and you're to be encouraged for that. So today... What I envision for the time we have remaining is to dream and ask and seek and knock and gather our hearts around Jesus to ask him and to ask ourselves, what would it look like for us as a church to fully devote ourselves to prayer? How would we be changed as a community if we fully devoted ourselves to prayer? How would we change individually? And how would our city be changed if the church in Cleveland became known for nothing else than prayer? Being fully devoted to prayer. So God's word today for us and to us is right here in Acts 2.42. To be fully devoted to prayer. Be consistent in it. Be faithful in it. Why? Because God commands us to do so. Because the needs of the world, the needs of the culture, our needs are huge, are enormous. And the fate of the universe, I know this sounds epic, and I know this sounds like, uh, this sounds like Avengers or Lord of the Rings, but the, f- the fate of the universe hangs on the lo- local church's prayers. The needs are great, and the universe hangs in the balance. And God, and lastly, that God hears, that he hears, and he can do more in five seconds than we could do in a lifetime, than we could do in 50 years, than we could do in five years. God can do more in five seconds. Yeah, the early church was a praying church. They knew the truth of the matter was that they were Christians because they prayed. They were Christians because they prayed. We we pray and we call ourselves Christians, but if we don't pray, we can't call ourselves Christians. It's a hallmark of the faith. We are Christians because we pray. And the same word here in Acts 2.42 is proskytere. Proskytere is the Greek word, and it's the same one that's used in the Gospel of Mark, where the Gospel says Jesus told his disciples to have a boat ready. There it is. Have a boat ready. Have a boat proskytere for him because the crowd, lest they crush him. A boat was to be set apart, to be devoted for the purpose of taking Jesus away in case the crowd became threatening, devoted, dedicated to a task, appointed to it. This word for devotion, to be fully devoted to prayer is all over the New Testament. We're commanded to be fully devoted in prayer. In Acts 1.14, after the ascension of Jesus, these all with one mind, one, one accord, 
were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and, the, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Acts 6.4, the apostles say, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Colossians 4.2, Paul says to all of us, the church, the global church, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. And in Romans 12.12, Paul again encourages us, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Faithful in prayer. Now, what does that look like to be devoted fully in prayer? Does it mean, does it, does it, does it mean that we're always praying, that that's all that we do? Well, the Bible does say to pray without ceasing, but it's not exactly what it means. Marriage is a helpful analogy here. A man may say, I am fully devoted, and in fact you are, to your wife and to her needs. But you don't spend every second hanging out with your wife, now do you? Some of you are sitting there, not you husbands of course, but are thinking, yeah, that would drive me insane. That was a joke. Um... But it doesn't mean that we're spending every waking moment praying, 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 praying. Though the word does say to pray without ceasing. No, it just means that um, a spouse has learned to orient their lives or prioritize their spouse above their own needs even. And gives themselves up for her or for him in ways that they wouldn't if they weren't married. Does that make sense in the context of prayer? That when we're fully devoted to prayer, that prayer affects everything that you put your hand to. Every move that you make, that you make is, um, is preceded with prayer. It affects everything. The follower of Jesus, this is normal Christian life, that prayer would affect everything. Not just in crisis moments. Not just in crisis moments. Not just when you need that perfect parking spot at Target. <laughs> Although those are not bad prayers to pray, says mom with two little ones in tote. Yes, those are good prayers to pray. But not just that. Not just praying in crisis. Paul means something different. And God, here's the truth, that God knows the difference between fully devoted and not fully devoted prayers, yes? God knows our hearts and he knows when we're fully devoted and he knows when we're not. So why be fully devoted? Why? Why should we be fully devoted? Well, as we said and worked through the scriptures there, that God commands us to be so and to do so. And we want to be obedient. Obedience is the mark of success of any Jesus follower. It's not a wide ministry. It's not a big, huge church. It's not all the people you healed or even prayed for. But obedience is the mark of a true Jesus follower of success in the kingdom. It means to obey the king, to do what he says. And he commands us to be fully devoted. Secondly, we need to be fully devoted. Why? Because the needs of the world are huge. They're enormous. They're crushing 
on our shoulders. Don't you feel that sense of crushing when you stop and pause and sense the, the, the need of this world, the pain, the suffering of this world, particularly over this past year? It can crush you if you take it all on yourself. There's so much need. There's no shortage of need. We are needy on the basis that we are human beings. We all need. The need is ginormous, as Buddy the Elf would say. The need is ginormous. And the fate of the world hangs in the balance. And I know that sounds so epic and so grandiose, that the fate of the world depends on your prayers. You say, little old me, really? No way. But it really does. The kingdom comes when we pray. And wherever the kingdom comes, Jesus wins the day. And how many of you know that how many of you know that a billion, two billion, six billion people, eight billion people on the planet, 20 billion prayers start, little prayers start to stack up to a huge victory for Jesus Christ. Think about all of the prayers that are being raised from the jungles in Africa to the deserts of the Middle East to the skyscrapers of Manhattan. Yes, even there, the prayers of the saints are rising to a king who hears the needs of his people. Why be fully devoted in prayer? Because the need is so great. The need is so great. Thirdly, why are we devoted fully in prayer? Because God acts when we pray. God responds when we pray. And before you say, hold on, wait a second. I'm here to tell you, you're in the house of Jesus, and Jesus answered the central prayer to humanity, which was dying on the cross. He was solution for us. So before you say that God doesn't answer prayer, look at Jesus' death on the cross, and look at his resurrection, that he provided the answer to the greatest prayer request that's ever been prayed by men and women and children alike. Where is salvation? Jesus says, it's in me. So he does answer prayer. God is a God who acts when we pray. And I wanted to draw your attention to a man of faith over uh, the years who I've been encouraged, and I think that you'll be encouraged by as well. His name was George Mueller. George Mueller. And he wrote this book in 1895. It's called Answers to Prayer. And if you're struggling or you need to be encouraged with this message that God does act on your prayers, I would highly suggest and recommend that you read this book by George Mueller called Answers to Prayer. It was written way back in 1895. And George Mueller is a funny character. He's in, um, he's, he's German, he's Prussian, but he's in London. He's in London, England, because God calls him to open orphan houses, to bring homeless kids off of the street and to house them and to raise them. And it was a slow learning process, as prayer is for all of us over the years. And George Mueller started off, and he set out to learn God's will. 
early on in his walk in faith, but he was untrained in this Christian principle of being fully devoted to prayer. He, he blundered a lot. How many of you can relate with George Mueller? I know I can. How many of you have done this one? There's, this is a classic story of George Mueller. George Mueller, one time he bought a lottery ticket, and he prayed, and he assumed that if he won, that that was a sign that God meant for him to apply to the Berlin Missionary Society. Well, here's what ended up happening. The ticket won, but his application for the missionary school was rejected. From this, he learned not to trust chance methods and God's work. And many lessons like this. How many of you are saying, oh, I wish I could win a lottery ticket right now? (laughs) That sure would be nice. Oh, that sure would be, wouldn't it? I'm with you in that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, okay, back on track. So through this book of Answers to Prayer, we read that George Mueller documented in his own journey through the years over 50,000 answered prayers from God. 50,000 through the course of his life. And the other huge story that I love to tell about George Mueller is this one, and it's in this book, Answers to Prayer. On June 13th in 1853, the heating system in this huge orphan house needed repair. Workers had to be paid. The money was lacking to cover regular expenses. It was, it was at least 100 pounds, which in those days would be the equivalent to today over $10,000, right? So the need is great. And check out what George Mueller says in his journal. This is amazing. He writes this, I had no human prospect whatever of getting 100 pence, much less 100 pounds, In addition to this, today was Monday, when generally the income was little. But in walking to the orphan house this morning, he was walking and he was praying, as I went, I particularly told the Lord in prayer. And thus it was. On the doorstep, I received this morning 301 pounds, or an equivalent of $31,000, For the Lord's service, I walked up and down in my room for a long time, tears of joy and gratitude to the Lord raining plentifully over my cheeks, praising and magnifying the Lord for his goodness and surrendering myself afresh with all my heart to him for his blessed service. Needed $10,000 to keep keep the heating system repaired. Prayed about it, was walking, found $31,000 on the doorstep of the orphan house, anonymous. Now you tell me God is not a God who doesn't act on our prayers. God acts on our prayers. And this is a major encouragement too. And you may say, hey, I don't run any orphan houses for for anybody. I'm just an average guy. I'm just an average gal. Like I don't do any of that ministry kind of stuff. You may say that. Check out what George Mueller would say to you. He says this, quote, Every child of God is not called by the Lord to establish schools and orphan houses. And to trust in the Lord even for means for them. Yet, there is no reason why you may not experience far more abundantly than we do his willingness to answer the prayers of his children. 
All of us get in on this. All of us get in on this. There's a willingness, what Mueller is saying, what he's saying, check it, is that there is a willingness that is intrinsic in the heart of the Father to pour out blessing. His default, what Mueller is saying is that God's default posture is to give, is to be open-handed, is to be generous, is to answer prayer. And so when we come to God with anything other than that, and believe me, I have plenty of times, just like you have, God's not going to come through for me. We're going against what God's nature naturally is defaulted to. Do you see that? His willingness is in his nature. It's who he is to act on your behalf, on my behalf. He wants to do it. He's happy to do it. He's not burdened by it. He's all-powerful. How could God be burdened by your prayers? Can an all-powerful God be burdened by the prayers of people? Never. He's infinitely strong. He can handle the needs of the world and then some and worlds beyond. So when we come to God, why should we be devoted Why should we be fully devoted? Because God commands us to do so, because the needs are so huge, and because he acts when we pray. He acts when we pray. So how do we pray? This is the biggie, right? And we could spend years and years talking about this, and we won't. But we could spend years and years talking about how to pray. And and you know, as well as I do, we're not too super huge on like how to do lists here at Vineyard Cleveland. Like top five ways to pray. No, everyone's different and God speaks to each of us individually. And so we're not too fond of like how to do stuff, um, instructables, DIY instructables here at Vineyard Cleveland. But this morning, I wanted to run through a few. So if you'd um, indulge me, here's a few how do we praise. How do we pray? Well, we pray free and we pray formed. These are all both ands, not either ors. We pray free and we pray formed. You know, there needs to be this sense of freedom in your heart before the throne of God. When you're alone, and we'll talk about that in a second, but when it's just you and Jesus, when it's just you and God, that you can go off the script and be yourself and hear from God who you really are, who he really is, and to pour your heart out before your Father that it's a safe place for you. There is no greater safe place than the prayer closet. When you are alone with God and you feel free to pour out from your heart authentically before God, we're to pray free. But don't discount the times of formed prayer. Free and formed Do you know we've been given the greatest treasure as the church? Did you know that the God who acts in prayer is a huge fan of plagiarism? For you grammar nerds out there. He loves it. In fact, he's given us the largest portion of the Bible for you to rip off his prayers, what he wants you to be praying. They're called the Psalms. 
and they're, <laughs> and they're honest, and they're bloody, and they're joyous, and they're suffering, and any situation you could imagine in your life, God is saying, feel free to rip me off, plagiarize as much as you want. There should be in our lives this working both and kind of dance between free prayers when you just pour out your heart before God and formed prayers. When you're in the word of God, to know the word of God, to hide the word of God in your heart, to, to make lists. It's not a bad thing, free-flowing artists out there. It's not a bad thing to make lists. It's not bad. In fact, my family just experienced this over the course of the past week, or week or two. We went on vacation a few weeks back, and, and the, month of, the month before vacation, um, if I'm honest, I could feel the, the level of anxiety rising in our house. Slowly, the temperature was rising. You know, last vacation before, we had some arguments and some fights between the kids. And the, the car ride home was, a, the car ride there was a little bit tight. And we're all up in each other's space and all of this. And as we're approaching this year's vacation, I started to feel some anxiety rise a little bit about a month before. So what I did was I took a piece of paper and I said, okay, crew, what are we praying for this year on vacation? Let's write it out, each one of you. And Luca, God love him, straight off the top says, I'm going to pray for Teenager, I'm up. I don't want to pray for anything. You know, so cool, right? I'm like, no, come on, buddy. Like, like, contribute to this. So there was a list of things that we had on our refrigerator for a month, specifically for our vacation time. And God answered some of those prayers, and some prayers we didn't say answer. The one that I'm particularly fond of, that I did not suggest, mind you, is that Eben would catch yummy fish, and that prayer was answered abundantly. It was so great just to be together as a family. And the point was not that all of those prayers on that list would be answered, right? The point was to fully orient ourselves around prayer, that we want to enjoy each other on vacation. We don't want to fight the whole time. That we'd like to have some good food in our bellies, you know. That we get to see the beauty of God's creation. That it would be restful for us. The point was to get all of us thinking and praying the same way. And wouldn't you know it, that anxiety level that was starting to rise just dissipated. It's okay to make lists. I would encourage you to make lists. At the end of your journey, you may be like George Mueller and find and go back through your life and find that God was there for you, answered prayer or not, 50,000 times and more. I challenge you, make some lists. Free, so we pray, how do we pray? We pray free and we pray formed. We pray alone and we pray assembled. Avengers, assemble. We <laughs> Man, tough crowd today. We pray alone and we pray assembled. We see that this is happening all of the time in the book of Acts. That the early church, this was a normal thing and a normative thing in the early church. That they prayed assembled. That they gathered for this specific intent to pray. In Acts 12.12, when Peter got out of prison... He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose, uh, whose other name was Mark. 
where many were gathered together and were praying. Prayer meetings were normal and normative in the early church. We also pray alone to foster a sense of intimacy and knowing God. We've got to get alone with him. And for some of you, that might be difficult to hear. To get alone with God might feel intimidating. To get alone with God, you may need to hear hard things about yourself. To get alone with God and just to hear from him may be difficult. But I want to encourage you this morning to stick with it. Stay with it. If you haven't heard anything from God or you just say, those are my crazy thoughts or um, I'm so distracted, my mind is everywhere, stick with it. Don't give up. I want to encourage you more than anything else, get alone with God. Hear his heart for you. Not this thing of like, yeah, I, John 3.16, God gave his son for the, for the sins of the world. I get it. He's my savior. But no, get alone with God and he will share with you his heart. He'll actually take his heart and the things that he's thinking over you and share them with you. He'll confirm the things, the desires that you long for deep in your heart. And I want to encourage you as well to gather, to assemble. If you're not in a small group, this is where it happens. To, to gather on this side of the pandemic. Gather together. Avengers, assemble. The, prayer, the church needs to pray together. You know, Sarah Smith leads a prayer group every first and third Sundays before the service where all they do, the only agenda is to hear from God. For our church collectively. She does it every first and third Sunday before the service. And I want to encourage you again, prayer and worship night, August 18th. If you're not in a small group or if you want some time just to set aside and follow this command that Jesus gives us to be fully devoted in prayer, join us on August 18th for prayer and worship night here in the church. The one we had in July was just packed with Jesus' presence and hearing from him and tears and joy and wonderfulness. So you might say, ah, oh, it's just the same as Sunday morning. Can I get that on Sunday? I got to drive all this way. We just do the same thing that we do on Sunday morning. Yeah, but we pray. We pray. We hear from God. Isn't that enough? It's the most splendid thing on the planet. Yeah, is it mundane? Yeah, is it a burden sometimes? Yeah, is it boring sometimes? Sure, but we pray. That's what we do. We're Jesus followers. And so if the church has a prayer and worship night, yeah, we're not here to entertain you, but we pray. We pray. And when we pray, I believe that God will open the gates. God will show us his goodness because God is a God who acts. We pray. That's what we do. So we pray alone and assembled. We also pray desperate and delighted. We pray desperate and delighted. So at the end of the day, at the end of our journeys, we can hear what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6.10. Because God is a prayer hearing God, we'll say with Paul, sorrowful yet always rejoicing. 
Sorrowful yet always rejoicing. It's okay to bring both your desperate need before God and your delight. And sometimes those mixed together. It's okay to bring both. How do we pray? We pray both desperate and delighted. We pray both explosive and extended. Short, long, short, long. It's okay. Luke gives us a taste of the early church's prayer. When Peter and John are released after they heal the lame beggar, check out Acts 4, 29 through 30. We read this. Lord, look on their threats. Here's what kind of prayers the early church was praying. You want to get in touch with what we should be praying? Here's an explosive prayer. Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. That's a pretty bold prayer. What if we prayed that, you guys? What if we began to pray this explosive prayer or these types of explosive prayers? It's not really in the, in the, in the form of the, of the explosiveness is not in the form, right? But it's in the Lord's power. But what would happen if we prayed, Lord, grant us boldness that we'd speak your word, that we wouldn't be afraid. Lord, stretch your hand out to heal. And Lord, would you make signs and wonders a common occurrence all where, all where, in the name of Jesus. We pray as a church, as followers of Jesus, we pray explosive prayers. Get ready, get ready to pray for things. If you claim Jesus, get ready to pray for things you're not comfortable with. That's the word of God. Be comfortable, be comfortable in the uncomfortability of praying bold prayers. We pray short, long prayers, explosive prayers, and also extended prayers. I know there are many of you here this morning and joining us online who have been praying for one thing for 15, 20 years. Don't give up. Pray extended prayers. There might be a season that God is calling you to, to just pray for one thing. There may be a ton of other good things, but if God's called you to pray for this one thing, pray extensively on that one thing, and you'll see the open hand of God in that thing. You will see resolution. Why? Because God acts. He's a God who acts and answers prayer. Explosive, extended prayers. We also, lastly, pray spontaneous and scheduled, both and. Spontaneous and scheduled. Spontaneously, we pray in all things. In Romans, we're told that we don't know what we ought to pray. And frankly, that's why we sing. Do you know when we're gathered here together, we're doing more than just singing? What a beautiful moment it was when we sang, what, what a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. To hear brothers and sisters singing that truth, you're doing more than singing. We don't know what we ought to pray, Paul says. But it's in groanings and yearnings and longings. We pray spontaneously even when we don't know what to pray. A favorite of mine is what our children's pastor, Tammy Dieslow, prays. It's so, 
It's so planned out. It's so just deep and and thought-provoking. You know what she prays all the time? Help, Jesus. Help. That's a good one. Another great one to pray. God, show me where I'm wrong. That's a great prayer to pray. God, show me yourself. That's an easy one. But I love that. Help, Jesus. Spontaneously and scheduled. Spontaneous and scheduled. How do we do it? We pray spontaneous and scheduled. Setting up a time to pray. There's this thing, this rhythm in the church over the past 2,000 years. In fact, you're in it right now. Is that we set aside. We devote a time. There's power in the gathered meeting. You're here to set aside. To say, "Uh uh-uh, this one is off limits. I wonder how many in my generation need to hear this right now. This time is off limits. That even if Sarah and I weren't pastors, you know where we'd be right now? Right here with you. We'd be right here with you because how many in our generation need to hear? This time is separate. Now, it's not all about the show. It's not all about the gathered, but this is important what we're doing here this morning. And this rhythm throughout the church for more than 2,000 years, there's this practice that's called praying the hours, praying the hours. You can hear more about this if you wanted to ask me about it later or, or other leaders about praying the hours. Um, a wonderful book just to get started is called Practicing His Presence by Brother Lawrence and Frank Laubach. And just inviting God one time in 60 minutes the whole day. That's a difficult task. Ever tried it? Oh, I'm so distracted. Maybe I get like two times out of all 24 hours. Maybe on a good day when there's nothing going on in my life. But setting aside time, spontaneous and scheduled, Nothing wrong with that. And if we want to see this vision of bringing life to the city realized, even to get tastes of it, right? This vision of hearts reunited, to see it realized, my encouragement for all of us is that we would start with prayer, that we would fully devote ourselves How can I devote myself to you if I haven't prayed for you first? Yeah? That we would devote ourselves to prayer, to knowing God fully, and to know that prayer is both the incubator and the catalyst of individual and corporate and city transformation. It starts and ends with prayer. It's both the incubator and the catalyst. It's the incubator. It's where God shares dreams, that he has dreams for our city, for you, for our families, for our church. And it's where he, he gets to share his heart with us. And it's also the catalyst. Prayer is the catalyst for city transformation. It's not only a place where those dreams are birthed, it's a place where those dreams are acted on. It's a place, it's a catalyst to kickstart, to jump, start the ushering in of the kingdom of God. 
And if you've yet to give your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you to give yourself to Jesus, to give yourself to being fully devoted in prayer. It cannot hurt. It cannot hurt us. It can only help us. It can only benefit you to devote yourself more fully to Jesus, that I would devote myself more fully to Jesus in prayer.